Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Brum of Yield 10. I'm here today with CEO Oliver Peoples and CSO Christy Snell. And today we're going to talk about Yield 10 and the oil seed plant Camelina. So, Ollie, starting with you, can you tell me a little bit about the founding of Yield 10? Yeah, well, that's actually a, 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 an awkward question because a little bit just doesn't isn't isn't going to quite cover it. And fundamentally, Yield Ten is actually, I would say, the um, the, the relaunch of a company called Metabolics has been around for twenty odd years. Uh, one of the early innovators in the um, what's now known as synthetic biology space. So, about five years ago, we rebranded the company as Yield Ten Bioscience to focus on crop science with the goal to really improve crop productivity and to create sustainable sustainable products to really address some of the uh, climate change and uh, sustainability issues that we're facing today. Go ahead. No, what I was going to say there is, why don't you tell me a little bit about the number of people we have today and where those folks are located? Yeah, so when we started in 2017, there was about 22 of us. We were about equally split between offices uh, here in Woburn, which is about 10 miles north of Austin. Uh, but we also have an oil seed center of excellence up in Saskatoon, Canada, which is pretty far up there, to be honest, uh, and quite a journey to get to. Uh, today, we have over 30 people. Um, again, I would say split roughly 50-50, so we've grown a little bit, about 32 or so people. Uh, we primarily conduct the, uh, I would say, the um, corporate activities in Woburn, essentially dealing with the public markets. You know, we are publicly traded, uh, as well as, um, you know, I'd say managing and overseeing essentially the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, but this is also where we have the, I would say, the discovery center, if you like. This is where we have our advanced uh, grain modeling system, uh, which Christy may describe. Uh, but up in Saskatoon, it's primarily focused on developing, testing, and launching new varieties of the oilseed camelina, which we see as the foundation of the future business. Uh, great, Ollie. What's been the mission of Yield 10 since its founding in 2017? Yeah, well, number one, create shareholder value. But number number one, do create shareholder value, but also do that by, by doing something really exciting and differentiating to produce new products. And so I would say the mission really is about improving food production overall. Uh, I mean, you look at climate change, we've got to increase food productivity by somewhere around 60%. Now, that increase in productivity is primarily around protein. We don't need more sugar in our diet. Just look around. We, we don't. We really need more protein in our diet. And that's going to really be necessary to meet climate change. Now, keep in mind, we've got to do that with diminishing land resources because of population growth. You know, yep. we've got more roads, more trains, more infrastructure. And so that obviously is going to put tremendous pressure on agriculture to continue to deliver more. Then on top of this, just, uh, you know, the icing on the cake, if you like, is, is climate change, of course. Also having a pretty negative impact on, on crop production. Just look at the variable weather patterns. Some of the challenges we had in the Pacific Northwest last year with heat waves, yep. flooding, you, you name it, we're seeing it. So obviously there's a tremendous need for innovation in, in, in crop science and ag biotechnology to drive increased productivity in agriculture. Yeah, thanks, Sully. Uh, Christy, let's bring you into the conversation. How does the R&D team fit into the mission of Yield 10? We help enable the mission. Uh, we make the scientific discoveries that really teach us how to build better plants, how to achieve our mission. And we've uh, really assembled an impressive set of tools that really helps us make targeted genetic changes uh, to plants. And this has helped us develop Camelina as a platform for making PHA bioplastic directly in the seed. It has helped us uh, build a platform for omega oils production in Camelina. And also to increase seed yield and seed oil content. Yeah, that's great. Um, what have been a couple of maybe the tools that Yield 10 researchers have used, you know, with respect to crops and uh, mm -hmm. Camelina? 
Well, Ollie mentioned the uh, grain platform. That's our gene discovery platform. And we use that to uh, look for new traits, to look for new genes to improve plants. Uh, we also have uh, done a lot of genome editing, mm-hmm. um, and that has helped us to really engineer plants that also uh, have an easier regulatory path. Yeah, great. Thanks, Christy. Um, with that mission in mind, Ollie, what's the overall business objectives for Yield 10? Well, goal number one, revenue, right? Obviously, that's that's what our investors are mostly focused on these days. But I think, you know, fundamentally, I would say that there's really multiple objectives here. But but basically using Camelina, the oilseed, uh, as a platform crop to produce renewable products, initially targeting veg- basically vegetable oil as a source of feedstock for producing renewable aviation uh, and, and, biodiesel, and renewable diesel fuels. These are going to be really critically important as we decarbonize those two transport systems. Yep. Uh, that's a big goal. And that's probably the near-term market pool that we're seeing most attraction on. You've got a massive number of companies investing in that area. Um, unlike some of the earlier attempts in biofuels, what you're seeing now is you're seeing big oil. Uh, and obviously, big oil's making hay at the moment, literally, at our expense. <laughs> uh, but fundamentally, you, you see Exxon, Chevron, BP, Phillips 66, Total, you know, you name it, they're all involved in it. They're all looking at increasing access to vegetable oils as a source of renewable fuels, uh, keeping in mind that that's a natural competition with food use of oils. And yep. we, of course, we all do like, you know, French fries. So we need frying oil, we need cooking oil, we need oil in, all of, in our diet in general. And so what that's done is it's just created this tremendous market pool for increasing the productivity of vegetable oil production globally. Yep. And uh, our product form technology, Camelina, is just extremely well suited to that. So it's a very exciting time for us. Um, it presents some real challenges uh, as we begin to move from an R&D focus, which really has been driven by Christy, towards a commercial activity. And so we're in the middle of that transition. It's It's got its challenges for sure. Uh, but generally, we're making great progress and, and talking to a lot of partners. But that's just phase one. Uh, the second phase is really to then use that same platform to produce uh, a fully degradable bioplastic. Uh, and again, we're now in field, field scale up with that. Uh, and then ultimately to produce essentially a renewable, sustainable source of uh, fish oil as a replacement for fish oil. Yeah, Ollie, as you've described both um, the downstream market and Christy focused on the science and the innovation, in between there, where do the growers fit into Yield 10's plans? Yeah, well, they're pretty much front and center. Without growers, there is no business, right? So <laughs> That's um, for sure. Number one. And number two, I think what we see really is, is partnering with growers. I mean, really providing growers with a new opportunity to grow a new crop that allows them to differentiate and, and de-risk some of the crops that they currently grow. It gives them a flexibility in, in planting time. So one of the th- really cool things that we've done is we've been waiting on working on what you call winter camelina. So winter camelina is a crop we're going to plant in the fall, probably September, October. It's going to come up out of the ground. It's going to sit dormant through the winter. And then it can come up fairly quickly and produce a harvest in the spring. And so in effect, it acts as a, what they call a cover crop. And yep. that's really important as we think about the greenhouse gas and climate change impacts of agriculture in general, where we need to continuously replenish carbon, soil carbon content, mm-hmm. as, as well as prevent nutrient runoff. And so yep. it ties really into the system in a way that adds to food production versus detracts from it. Right. Right. And so, um, Christy, what innovations has Yield 10 really achieved with Camelina over the last five plus years? Mm-hmm. 
So we've uh, increased Camelina seed con or seed uh, yield per acre. We've increased the amount of oil in the seed. We've produced uh, our novel PHA bioplastic directly in the seed. Um, we've also done some uh, germplasm, elite germplasm development, where we've uh, used some conventional breeding tools, but we've also done genome editing. Um, and so we've done this on both winter and uh, spring lines. Yeah. So what do you see are the opportunities for further improving the crop? Mm -hmm. Well, the uh, farmer needs um, a robust crop that he can grow, um, you know, uh, consistently to get high yields and good agronomic properties. Uh, so to do that, you really need herbicide tolerance, you need disease resistance, you need pest resistance. So we've developed camelina lines with herbicide tolerance. Uh, those are in the field this year. And we've also developed uh, lines with downy mildew resistance and are testing those in the field this year, both winter um, yeah, so one one thing I think maybe worth elaborating on, Christy, is just where mm -hmm. in its sort of, if you like, its its technology maturity is Camelina compared to a modern elite mm -hmm. crop like canola or soybean or okay. corn. Yes. I mean, how far back is it? What's the upside potential? I think there's tremendous upside uh, potential. Camelina is really in its infancy. Uh, you know, there has been some breeding, but there certainly hasn't been as much breeding as mm -hmm. uh, has been done for corn and yeah. soybean. Uh, so I think there's a lot of potential to increase its productivity, uh, both through genetic engineering, through breeding, uh, and really make it a robust crop. Right. Christy, I think the team has done, you know, now three or four years at least of field trials of spring camelina, and you've done some extensive work, including the work underway this year in winter camelina. Where do you think the geographies are from the data you have today, say for winter camelina and then spring, mm -hmm. you know, where, where growers might be interested in growing the crop and where you know today that uh, the camelina probably has a very good shot of growing well? Yeah, so for spring varieties, we'd say the Pacific Northwest of the U.S., and also the Canadian prairies, that would be a good area for spring camelina growth. For winter camelina, we're looking at it for a rotation crop to rotate with crops such as soybean and corn. So that would be more in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, so there can be extensive uh, acreage for winter crops uh, growing off season uh, for conventional crops. Great. Great. Thanks. Um, and so as we've talked about uh, growers participating in our program with Camelina, Ollie, what's the downstream market for Camelina oil? And you, you know, referred to the energy companies earlier in our conversation today, but, you know, what's really happening there with, um, you know, the, the market for vegetable oils as, as fuel? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I would say in the last few years, there's just been this tremendous upsurge in demand. I mean, we estimate it today based on announced um, investments by major players in, in producing these renewable uh, aviation and renewable diesel fuels, uh, somewhere around £6 billion of additional vegetable oil capacity required. Uh, and to meet the carbon standards, that really has to primarily be grown in North America. So it's a great opportunity for farmers. Um, however, uh, just to give you kind of a numbers, if you were to try to produce that all the soybean, you'd require about 60% more soybean acres. Mm -hmm. So instead of about 90, you're talking about 150 or something, 178 million acres. And those acres don't really exist. Yeah. And so that production is going to have to come from a number of sources. One is going to be obviously genetic, genetic traits that can improve the productivity of soybean uh, or increase the oil content of soybean. That could be very helpful. 
Uh, same thing, genetic improvements to canola, which is a, a major oil seed crop, primarily in Canada, but it's got twice as much oil as soybeans, so it's obviously very important in oil, um, to improve its oil content as well. So there's some some upside there, but really what it's created is this opportunity for new oil seed crops like camelina, and that's yep. why we're so excited about um, where we are today. We finally are in the right place at the right time, um, yep. even although we're in Woburn, uh, with their <laughs> Centre of Excellence up in Saskatoon. We're very, very well positioned to begin to launch Camelina as a, an additional source of vegetable oil for these markets. Uh, and we see just a tremendous opportunity to to do both spring acres for that for that market, as well as winter acres, although we're a little later in development in the winter side, but I think we're scaling that up very rapidly. Right. Okay, Christy, can you give us a little bit of an update maybe on the winter program right now that started last fall? and has been in harvesting mode in some areas since spring of this year? Mm -hmm. Yes, so we uh, have developed some uh, proprietary germplasm of winter lines, and we've been testing them in the field this year. Uh, we've been scaling them up. Uh, we're um, growing 17 acres up in uh, Canada of one line, and uh, we're scaling up the other line in uh, some acreage. Right, and so when the seed is produced from uh, this past this past winter uh, that we're just wrapping up, uh, you know that that uh, field campaign now, you know what's your outlook for growers participating in the winter program starting um, in the September? You know, what do you think? Um, what farmers might be a good a good match for this winter program? Mm -hmm. I think uh, farmers that are willing to try a new crop. This is a crop at its infancy, but it has a lot of potential. Yep. Um, and we've done um, you know some research on it, and it, it grows very very well. Um, in uh, it, it has very good um, winter tolerance, uh, cold yep. tolerance. Uh, so I think it's a very good crop for farmers to uh, try. Mm -hmm. It also gives them a cash crop to increase the value uh, of their acreage, you know, it's a cover crop. Um, so I think overall, it's a very good crop. Yeah. I mean, Saskatoon's a pretty cold place in wintertime. So can you talk a little bit about that line that endures the uh, Saskatoon winters? Yeah. So Saskatoon is uh, very frigid and our uh, Camelina line um, survives the winter and, um, you know, comes up in the spring and is happy and starts growing. So yeah. it's, it's very impressive. Ollie, could you tell us a little bit about the business model of Yield 10? Yeah, so, you know, really, uh, we're really, given our strength and innovation and the fact that we're now beginning to get into the commercial side, of it, we've, we've developed a very rigorous approach to the, yep. to the business model. And that business model is really designed to be capital light. We don't see the need to try to become a biofuel company. There's lots of biofuel companies interested in buying the vegetable oil product from the Camelina. So just taking... The biofuel opportunity, which is nearest term anyway, as an example, I mean, the value chain looks basically like the science at, at Christie's side, all the way through farmers, seed processing, which is oil seed crushing to mm -hmm. extract the oil yep. and the protein going to feed. And then obviously some kind of biofuel conversion to make aviation biofuel or renewable diesel. Right. And then because of those types of fuels, it can actually just go into a pipeline and, and, and ultimately to the, to the gas pump and into the tank of a big truck or ultimately into an airplane and hopefully we'll all fly off to have a nice vacation. <laughs> um, so that's really what it is. So the way we're managing that is really through essentially owning the proprietary seed. That's Those are those are going to be proprietary to Yule 10, uh, patented, patent protected, per plant variety act protected or breeders rights protected. That's our goal there. Uh, to contract production with the grower so that they make basically make a good income on what they're doing for us. Uh, to take that harvested product from, from the grower through a seed crusher. Yep. 
uh, in a, under contract again, and then with offtake agreements. In other words, already pre-sell that oil to some of the fuel companies uh, again. So the whole whole value chain works if we can reward each step in the value chain. And obviously, right next to the next night to uh, right next to yield ten is the grower. So the grower is pretty damn important in this. Right. And so it's really important that we build strong long-term relationships with growers to build a truly sustainable business for the long term. Yeah, absolutely, Ollie. And if growers are interested in growing Yield 10 Camelina, uh, how should they contact us? Well, there's a couple of different ways of doing that. One is to go to our to the email address, growers, G-R-O-W-E-R-S, at yield10bio.com, or visit the grower page on our website, yield10bio.com, and you'll get the information necessary. Great. Thanks, Ollie. And thanks, Christy, for participating in the podcast today. Coming up, we plan to host members of our team to discuss topics including the ins and outs of growing camelina, and we'll take a deeper dive into the biofuels market. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks, guys.